The first dog that I loved, though I did not love her as much as I loved Skye, was called Bisto. <laughs> and it was a West Highland Terrier. And that was the first dog we had when I was growing up at home in Yorkshire, where dogs were a very, very big part of our life because my dad was a vet. It's funny because I've, I've written that down here that there was a very strong chance that today's guest was going to have an affinity with dogs and probably other animals because you are the son of a Scottish vet and that's something I didn't know about you. So did Dad's job mean that there were a lot of animals in your lives growing up? Yeah, there were and I, and I think it probably meant that I didn't like them very much because <laughs> for two reasons. One was, you know, it takes your dad away from you a lot. Uh, although I did go around on his rounds on the, so I probably preferred the big animals because he used to go around with him on his rounds to farms where it was all horses and cows. My dad was a bit of a horse specialist. Um, and also because the surgery, he had a surgery, had two surgeries. One was in Keithley opposite the swimming pool and another one in Bingley. And the smell was not nice. And I'll tell you one of the things is, I don't know if they still do this, but there was a little kind of hut or a hutch just after you walked up the back, when you went through the kind of back door. And it was where they kept all the, you know, the bodies that had been put down. And I think they were only collected every few days. The smell was a bit... So I had that sense of... I wasn't a big big dog or... Well, I've never been a cat fan, but I wasn't that big a dog fan. I was a cow. I liked cows. (laughs) I liked... I quite liked sheep because I worked on farms as well quite a lot when I was older. Lots of my uncles were farmers. And um, so, yes, I wasn't a big dog person, really, until until quite recently. Okay. So did you ever consider becoming a vet yourself? No, because <laughs> I just wasn't. I mean, my thing was languages and I was never, ever any good at sciences. And, and so it was, ne- I think, my, you know, my dad, they had four kids, my mum and dad, and I, I think they probably were a bit disappointed that none <laughs> of us went down that route. No, not even close, by the way. I mean, we all went down the kind of languages, music, um, my sister was a teacher. And so it was, it was like, you know, I think he probably felt, hmm, something went wrong there. So Skye is the first King Charles Cavalier Spaniel that we've met oh. in this series. Right, well, it's not the first we've had. Ah, okay. So what attracts you to that breed in particular? Well, I'll tell you the story to how we got a dog. And, I mean, I've got to be honest, I was really not keen. Um, and it's a, it's a story that I'm sure is very, very familiar to many parents of young children, particularly okay. girls. <laughs> and our daughter, Grace, became, frankly, utterly obsessed with the idea of getting a dog. I mean, obsessed to the point of um, once Fiona and I had been away somewhere, we came back and every single drawer, every single... Um, bit of the fridge, every single bookshelf, every single, any door that you opened at any point, anywhere, just said, I want a dog. (laughs) Or on a post-it. Or it said, dog is God backwards. She's got a point. She has got a point. She has got a point. (laughs) And I just kept saying, no, 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 we won't. I know what will happen. Classic story. You'll just, you know, get bored with it, want something else, move on, and we'll end up having to deal with it or more likely Fiona would end up having to deal with it. And that sort of is, that's your dog, by the way. That is my dog dog growling, yes. And that sort of is what happened. However, 
The other thing that happened, and this was a big surprise, is that Fiona absolutely fell besotted with Molly, who was Sky's predecessor. Right. And um, Molly became like just a huge, well, a huge part of everybody's life, but particularly Fiona's. Now, to be fair to Grace, she still was very, very close to Molly and is to Sky, but Fiona kind of totally took over. <laughs> um, and then Molly died through there and um that was a bit of a grim day for everybody um and then we we sort of thought about whether to get another one straight away whether to wait that's a difficult but it is a difficult balance and 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 i i was was i surprised i wasn't surprised how upset fiona was i think i was a bit surprised by how upset i was and just partly because of the upset she was going through but I sort of knew that, because I'd seen it so often, that's what I did remember from my childhood, is seeing people who were having their animals put down mm. and how upset they were. But then you see them a couple of days later and they were they seemed okay. It wasn't like, I don't think it's quite the same as losing a human being. I think people do get over it. Mm. I haven't had to experience that yet because spots, well, it's spots pretty only four. And right. so I, you know, I pushed that to the back of my mind. But anyway, we, went pretty, we, we, got, we got another one pretty quickly. And um, and and it's, this has been difficult for Fiona as well because Sky, I have to say, I think thinks I'm the leader. Ah, oh. even though Fiona does all the food and <laughs> most of the poo bags and all that stuff, but I am the one that she comes to. Okay. And Molly never did that. Molly was always Fiona one, Grace two, me three. And I'd say the I'd say with Sky, it's me one, Fiona two, Grace three. Ah. Oh. So Sky, and obviously I've been reading in your book actually about your... Oi, oi, oi. Now there's Sky just getting a bit territorial. Yeah, and that's like, you know, dogs are territorial. And I've bought, she was doing, she I've was, bought, she, but they were doing fine, weren't they? Were they were doing very well, yeah. And I, I have brought my dog into her, 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 her home, patch. her patch. Yeah. And so she's just going, hey you, back off buddy. Yeah. It's okay Sky, he won't be here for long, I promise. Now I was saying, reading your book and I'm well aware of your Scottish background although you were actually as you mentioned sort of exiled in Keithley if you like but Sky is somewhere that is very meaningful for you isn't it as a place well not so much that Scotland is and um it's funny isn't it about naming dogs um when around about that time I mean Sky it's funny Fiona always says when people say what's the dog called she says Sky as in the island yes because we both, with, with an E. With an E, as in the island, because she's sort of, we both labour under this fear that people might think that we've named it after one of Rupert Murdoch's media outlets. <laughs> um, so she always says Sky, as in the island. Um, and it is partly that sort of, Molly absolutely loved the Scottish Highlands, Sky loves the Scottish Highlands, and around the time that this was all happening, um, Tessa Jowell, who's a very good friend of ours, she was dying, and I played over the sea to Sky at her funeral on the bagpipes. On the bagpipes, and um, so Sky just sort of felt right, really. So it's not that it's not that we've got a particular affinity with Sky. We've got a particular affinity with, and it's a nice with, with that area, and we've got a particular affinity with Scotland and the and the music bit and what have you. So yeah, Molly had a very kind of traditional. Didn't really think about it much, sort of name. I think that was Grace's choice, and Sky was much more of the moment. Yeah, it suits her though. She's very. Um, what sort of personality has she got? She's she's a bit of a tart. She runs up <laughs> to everybody. She loves everybody. Uh, <laughs> she was very friendly. I have to yeah, say, when I walked into the she's house, she's incredibly friendly. She's very. 
she is very very friendly with everybody um she's a bit wild at the moment oh. um she when we were is that you just letting her get away with blue murder what, no or? i think I, well fiona's theory is that we got her a little bit older than we got molly so molly we got sort of very very young um sky was you know i mean she wasn't old but she was a few weeks old and but anyway she's definitely much more kind of she's got a bit of the devil in her and uh we had a terrible terrible incident on holiday where she just went through she suddenly got into this whole kind of water phase if she saw water she wanted to be in it Mm, sounds familiar well but it hadn't it hadn't been like that much. She'd occasionally sort of dive into a pond or whatever, but not. she wasn't sort of, you know, crazy for it. And she was just going through that phase where she was, and, and I actually was not there. I was, I was doing something else, and I suddenly got this phone call from Fiona in a complete panic, saying Sky's fallen, <laughs> fallen down a ravine. And what had happened is she'd seen this very trickle of a waterfall, knew that it went somewhere, so decided to bloody, you know, slide down the waterfall into the water. Um, Fiona couldn't get down to her. So she phones me. I get down to this place. It was it was pretty horrific. I ended up, I could, first of all, we couldn't even see her. Then eventually we heard her. She wasn't exactly whimpering, but she wasn't happy. It was like a bit of a whimper. And then stroke of luck, I just sort of saw her through this kind of, through all this kind of foliage and bushes and trees and everything. And she was just kind of standing there, kind of looking a bit petrified. And so Fiona went <laughs> on this long kind of, she went round a sort of sensible way, trying to work her way through all these. And she, I mean, her legs were shredded by, literally oh, shredded. Me. And I just thought I'd try and go down the, the same way that Sky did. <laughs> and so I climbed down, grabbing onto branches as I went, and then I got to the end, and it literally was the end. So the next 10 feet, there was nothing for me to hold on to. And, of course, I didn't know how deep it was. Oh, goodness. So I'm thinking, do My I dive in? been pounding. I would be Well, it was panicking. sort of – I knew she was fine, though. I knew she was fine because I could, I could hear her and she was, I could see her. She was absolutely fine. Fiona was sort of screaming quite a lot. <laughs> um, first of all, screaming for Sky, where are you, sort of thing. But then – and then Fiona, Fiona somehow got through all these, well, I say somehow, with all these, what are you doing up here? My, this dog is, your dog is now walking on my table. If Fiona came in Spot. now, that dog would be in real trouble. She's now looking at the camera. This is not how to win my friends dog, and influence my people. My dog is behaving, oh. Yes, you tell him off, Sky. That was yeah, Sky telling him off well. for climbing on the table. I don't think Sky likes him being near me. No, but you see, Spot has. I've interviewed a few people who have been kind enough to appear on our podcast, and Spot but, has this yeah. habit of immediately trying to ingratiate himself with the guest and well, sitting Spot, on their one, lap. I'm a one dog man. Yes. So, and I, I, I don't, I don't blame <laughs> you at all. Um, <laughs> you, and are we trying to encourage Sky to come and sit on the on the bench with us as well. Oh, there we go. Up she comes. Now, Spot, just... You behave. You can sit with me. Oh, there we go. There we go. There you go. All's love. All's love. What do you think? think? All's fair in love and war. Oh, my God. I've got the wrong wrong dog on my lap. (laughs) You have got the wrong dog on your lap. What do you want? Spot, you you are just being incredibly... You're You're a bigger tart than Sky as you are. You're being incredibly cheeky. But all was well with the Sky and the ravine, down the ravine. Well, eventually it was, but it was a bit... It really was a bit of a... And then, and then the, so then what happened was that Fiona got down and then obviously having got down sort of knew there was a way back. I, 
<laughs> it sounds crazy, this, but actually getting back the way I went down was not easy because the the branches that I'd been, some of which I'd been holding, some of them came out as oh, I dear. held them. <laughs> so, yeah, it was one of those sort of... And, of course, when we got back, she just... She was absolutely fine. I'm sh- thank a, goodness for that. Jonah's legs were literally shredded. Oh, that's just... Yeah. That's too that's too hard on yeah. her, isn't it? But she was But you she were just... Okay. That. And, then, and then, you know, like the other day, she... We, we, she's she's two now, and we, we still, if we go for a walk in the heath, tend to put the bells on her. Right, so you just know where she is. Just so we can sort of at least have a sense of where she is. Yeah. yeah. We have lost her a couple of times. <sighs> yeah. I, I, I have lost spot. Once, one Sunday morning, he just somehow, he's a bit like Houdini, this dog, managed to get out the garden somehow, I have no idea. And he just went missing. And I was then on the phone to, not 999, because I wouldn't do that, but the yeah. other police number you ring. Um, and about just as I was, a lady answered the phone and she was just, she was about to, and I was obviously in a slightly heightened state of panic by this point. And I thought, well, I'd better ring them just in case somebody else has reported a dog of his yeah. description missing. We could put the jigsaw puzzle together. And I was about, she was about to say, is it a child or a dog that's missing? And I, I literally, I went, oh, he's back. And she went, <laughs> dog. I went, yes, yes, sorry. I'm really sorry. He's back. I'm sorry to bother you. She's fine. It's fine. You're not the first person who's called no, with, I'm sure that's with, true. with the missing we had, dog. We had another one. She, she got, she, um, another time she sort of vanished and, and, uh, I don't know. I think she's got... A, I, I'm much, much more relaxed when we're out and about. As soon as... Like the other day, we were in Regent's Park and she sort of... We were about 100 yards from the road, but she went in that direction of Shona was like straight after because she's convinced she's just going to jump out in front of a car one day. Yeah, I don't think dogs have... They don't have any sense of, of cars. Well, she jumps at them. It's sig- the problem. She yeah, does jump spots, at them. spots a little bit like that. Fortunately, they we haven't got too many of those where mm. we live. When you are out walking on the heath around mm. here. Do you get the sense that people come up and coo over Sky because oh, they yeah. because they secretly want to come and chat to no, you about no, politics? No, I don't. I honestly don't. <clears throat> I, think, I mean, I think people who want to talk about politics or anything else will anyway. <laughs> right. Actually, and funny enough, we did a thing at the BBC this morning. Fiona was saying that m- more people now probably talk to me about mental health right. than um, when we're out and about walking. And whether it's that, and partly I think the thing with the dog, there is, I always find it really weird that people assume that because you were the dog, you can just go up and start, particularly now with COVID and everything. Yes. You know, so I think it's, but there's no doubt there's a, there's a sort of sense of if you've got a dog, people feel emboldened to say whatever they want. So no, I don't think it's about that. I think also she is just one of those dogs that people like the look of. She has got an exceptionally sweet face yeah. and she's got a very gentle nature. There was a guy, there was a guy we were out, yeah, walking yesterday and this young guy, he was only about, he, he just didn't look like a kind of dog person. To me. He, was like, <laughs> he was like a young, quite hip, sort of 25-year-old. And he walked past us and then he came back and said, I've got to say that's the most beautiful dog I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, that's rather lovely though, isn't it? <laughs> so it but I think she is as well. I, mean, I, do, I do sort of think she's a bit special. But she has been politically active, I noticed, because you took yeah. her on a, on a, on a protest she against hates Brexit. Brexit. She, she hates, hates Brexit. Brexit. She does hate Brexit. And the, the, you know, she probably hates to, you talking about it all the time. I'm sure she does. <laughs> no, but we, we were, when we were in Germany last week getting, getting the, um, uh, you know, getting the, the worming the, and all that stuff to get the... The dog passport yeah. stamp. And she, I mean, she, she's got a lot of stamps in her passport. And, I, and to be fair, I think it is still very unclear. And this German vet didn't have a clue what was happening after... 
after Brexit. So, no, no, she's been on quite a few rallies. How yeah. was she? Because she was only a puppy when you took her on that march against Brexit. She loved it because she, she, likes, she just likes being people coming up to her and stroking her and playing with her and talking to her. I've never seen her turn on anybody. Um, you know, Lovely. she just turn occasionally turns on other dogs if they, I think, but I think that's about getting to us. Yeah, um, the, the dogs are very protective yeah. of, of their of their humans. Yeah. Of, uh, but no, she she loved all that. It she did tickle that. me. Apparently, I read that there were bollards with pictures of Nigel Farage on, and dogs dogs, kind of, dogs do what dogs the dogs do dogs what they do. What they do. Was, I think there was there was Farage, Johnson, Reese, Mogg, and Gove. I think it was <laughs> where you could you could choose who your dog could pee on. <laughs> What have you made, actually, of Number 10's always had a cat, hasn't it? Suddenly Number 10's got a dog. Dylan the dog's arrived. Yeah. I've got to say, he doesn't look at home with it. <laughs> a bit, like, bit like him wearing, holding his son in a papoose. Yeah, he, do, he, doesn't, he doesn't look at home with the dog. I mean, I, I, don't think this, I don't think this government does much without thinking through a little bit of PR consequence. But he, mm. doesn't, he doesn't look at home with his dog, I don't think. Because on your protest, it led to headlines, you know, Brexit's barking and, you know, it was kind of it, it, well, some the, great the, photo opportunity. Wolferendum. Wolferendum, yes. Yeah, I, I quite like yeah, that. Yeah. That was just one guy up in, I met him up in Sheffield. He just had the idea of, you know, it was, uh, anyway, we failed. We failed. <laughs> now, there's also a black dog that kind of lives with you and it's a very puzzling metaphor for mental health because I always view dogs as something that they're extremely positive. Yeah. You know, have you ever any idea where that's Churchill. Well, you see, I I don't want to sort of correct true? you. Well, no, but there are clearly references to Churchill and black dogs, and I think Churchill was somebody who no, but he didn't. He, I he thought had he coined depression. The phrase black dog. No, we well, see apparently because I was reading up on this. Right. The mention of black dog. It was a guy called Samuel Johnson who was the first author of the dictionary. Okay. In the 1700s. Okay. Actually mentioned the black dog. Oh, wow, I'm learning. I'm learning. So I thought I would just kind of look up, look that up because yeah. it intrigued me as to where it and was came it, was from. It, was he defining depression as the black dog? Yes, there was. It certainly was in reference to a mood. Well, I, so I thought that see, was I quite don't, interesting. I, don't, I mean, I can see if you were somebody who loved dogs and didn't think dogs could ever do bad things, then you, I can see why you might think it's a bad description. But I actually think it's quite a good description because it, it's like a. I mean, black dog. I see it in terms of. A dog that you'd be scared of, um, you know, and a lot of people are scared of dogs. And you know, mm. to be honest, I've, I've been—I haven't—I haven't told you my uh, my childhood bad experience with dogs <laughs> when I was bitten by a police dog at a football match. Right, please um, expand. Huddersfield against Burnley, I think it was, and um, I—I wasn't doing anything wrong, obviously. I was with my dad, um, but there was a kind of there was a sort of something going on, and this dog just sort of. It wasn't a bad bite, but it bit me. And um, and I can remember my dad, who was a vet, as I say, in the car park, getting his stuff out to kind of, you know, treat my this sort of... But I, I just remember thinking, that was a bit scary. Yeah. So whether that put me off dogs for a bit, I don't know. But um, where were we going? The black dog. So I, I think if the, the, the sense of the black dog as depression mm. being kind of a bit of a wild animal mm. that you don't really want around you. That's what I thought it meant, but I could be wrong. Maybe mm. Johnson and Churchill had totally different. I think, that, and, and I think people do see the depressive mood as always being very black. Although, you know, I, I, I can, and I can see why, because it is, um, 
you know, you talk about having dark feelings and um, and not being able to see the light and all that sort of stuff. So I can see where it comes from, but I hadn't really thought of it from the from the canine perspective as to whether it's a bit anti-dog. Yes, well, mm. I don't know. I just because I've always seen dogs as a as a positive, so I always yeah. wondered how it it came to mean a slightly different thing in relation mm. to depression. And you talk in your book about the depression, your depression scale. Mm. How is your mood today? Just explain how you view that scale. Well, it's sort of something I do almost instinctively now. I don't kind of do it and make a note and tick it off. But when I wake up, I, for me, my mood is often very dependent on how I feel when I wake up. So if I've slept very badly, if I've had a lot of really bad dreams, um, if I'm feeling tired if if or if the black cloud black cloud is coming in then my mood will will you know quite substantially kind of dive and so did you give your number to yourself today i did and it was it was sort of three to four Mm. which is okay which is okay yeah so one is like delirious and ten is suicidal and three four is good um when I get over five into the sort of six, seven, eight territory, that's when I really start to worry. So no, three, four is good. And what is a bad day like for you? How would because I remember in your book, you, you're, it's very just you're very descriptive about how that actually feels. And I think it's for people who haven't lived with depression or know anybody with depression. I think it's quite a hard concept to grasp for people I as to how that's... that actually feels for somebody who's in a, in a grip of a depressive episode. Well, funny enough, I wrote a novel. My first novel was was um, called All in the Mind, and it was about um, a psychiatrist and his relationship with his patients. And I remember Charlie Faulkner, who was you know Lord Chancellor in Tony Blair's government, and he read it and he said, "Do you know what? He said, I've never had depression. And I don't think I've really understood it, but I feel I understand it better now, having read that because I've described in the novel. And I think in a, part of what I wanted to do with this book was actually to give, if you like, a, an, an account of it that wasn't fictional that was real and um and it's quite a hard thing to do because when i'm not depressed i can't really remember what it's like being when i'm very depressed what you know what that feels like so i've been thinking about it while i was writing the book and i was almost at times longing to rarely longing to be depressed as i could sort of get a better feel for it but in you know in terms of what it feels like it, it it's never the same but there are certain sort of patterns to mine. Um, I mentioned this, you know, I, I'm doing it now. I always, I always look up to the left when I think about my depression and, I, and, I, and, and I, how it's often manifested is as I wake up, just seeing this kind of sort of literally like, a, like a five times the size of, six times the size of a rugby ball. And it's an oval, and it's it sort of looks and it's got a jelly feel to it. It's not hard, and it's coming nearer. and And I will usually I'll say, "Oh, you know, fucking leave me alone, go away." <laughs> but then what happens? It just sort of comes in, and then it comes a point when I say, "Okay, I've lost again," and then it literally sort of moves into my body and fills me up. and And when it's really bad like that, it's hard to get out of bed. Um, you said it's even hard to almost speak. Sometimes speak, yeah, because. What I tend to do, I, I usually can. I've, most of my life I've been able to sort of power my way through. Yeah. But it's exhausting. It is exhausting. It's, it's exhausting. You feel that every th- everything that normally just wouldn't take any energy at all takes loads of energy. and you, So you feel exhausted all of the time. And, and, and yeah, but I, I, the last time I was really bad was sort of 
towards the end of lockdown, I had a bit, bit of a bad spell. I didn't have I didn't have any day where I stayed in bed all day. Okay. Um, but I wasn't going out. I was sort of cancelling meetings. I was lying on the sofa a lot. I was just sort of make a lot of excuses to people potentially, don't you? Just to well, kind of get and, out and you know of what things. I think with lockdown, and... I think in a funny sort of way, it was one of the things I liked about it at the start was the fact that you didn't need to make excuses. Yes. So well, I can't go out. But actually, latterly. Um, yeah, it's that thing of you feel, I can't face people, I can't face, don't want to talk, don't want to think, don't want to read, don't want to do anything. And now, one of the reasons I've written the book is actually, I, I found, it now in my 60s, I've found lots of different ways that have helped me when that feeling comes on. And I think one of the reasons I've written it is that people maybe in their 20s, 30s and 40s don't have to waste yes. <laughs> 40 years before they finally get on top of it. And when I say get on top of it, the, the subtitle of the book is How I Learned to Survive Depression. It doesn't say how I've learned to defeat it. Yes. Because I don't feel I ever will. I think it'll always be around. It's just that I've got much, much better. And, and also, Fiona's got much, much better from her perspective at, um, at dealing with her emotions as they're affected by me, which they have been, obviously, for so long. And that's interesting. What's it like for the people around you when you are having a, a bad day and depression is has taken hold it, and i and I, I include the dog in that because dog, dogs dogs are very empathetic well do you know what it's really interesting you say that because the last time when it happened i can remember um lying in bed thinking oh god this is a bad one this is like seven and a half to eight and i remember thinking i'll just when fiona gets up i'll just pretend i'm still asleep and then she can get upstairs like maybe just lie in and, and she knew that I was kind of on a bit of a somebody actually I wrote a piece about this recently and somebody I thought it was a brilliant description they said when they go into depression it's like a downhill slalom and I, that's just like you know you you, th- you get up to a bend and you think maybe I'll turn this bend okay but you just you just keep it's going just a down momentum, isn't there? Yeah, yeah it just keeps you going and uh, but anyway there I was lying in bed and literally she jumped up on the bed and just came and started sort of she wasn't even jumping all over me. She just sort of lay down next to me. And and I said to Fiona, so she knows you know. I'm sure that dogs have this. They just know when mm. something's going on, whether it's you going off on holiday and might be leaving them. Oh, yeah. Or, the thing you know, with bags, if, if ever... you, you, get, you pick a shopping bag up and they look at you and go, oh, do you have to go now? Mm. You know, it's, they mm. are very clever. No, like she, she, she de- and definitely it's, uh, I think having that sort of sense, of when, I, when I was in that low mood, I was all about, you know, there's the sofa there when I lie down on the sofa and just want to kind of, well, she'll often be lying there with me. Yeah. Um, and it's just sort of, I don't know, it's, 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 it's like you, you've got this companion that literally is asking nothing of you um, apart from occasionally go for a walk. Yeah. That's it. And of course, the, and the occasionally going for a walk might be the one thing that gets you out and goes and does something. Because like you, I pop that, little white pill every morning, Mm -hmm. 50 milligrams of sertraline. And and I've had some serious bouts of depression in my life, but also like you, I've come to learn how to cope, how to recognize the triggers. Mm -hmm. And something you said in your book about, you know, your mantra of eat well, sleep Mm -hmm. well, stay active Mm -hmm. has been really key for me, actually. And then the spot (laughs) who I've only had for the last four years, but I call him my canine Prozac. Yeah. Because actually, he makes me smile. He gives me purpose. Uh, he's a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Uh, you know, when you've got those, as a freelancer, actually, when you've got those long, empty days ahead of mm. you, when you haven't got anything, no live sport in the schedule, you think, well, what am I going to do today? Mm. And it's very easy to overthink things and 
just you, your mood can dip as a result. And it's just you, just you mentioning sitting on the sofa there and having the dog next to you. It's even just those cuddles that you have, The because I'm sitting stroking your dog now, but that, <laughs> that, that ability to just feel the warmth from the dog, it's yeah. very reassuring yeah. for somebody who might be feeling anxious. And also Do I you recognise Totally, that? totally, totally. And, and, and I've seen it, I think she, um, I think the other thing we both, Fiona and I get, as this sort of strange comfort from these little rituals that she goes through as well. So, for example, in the morning, Molly always used to follow Fiona down. Sky follows me down. But then during lockdown, for example, when we'd say we'd come down, had breakfast, gone for a walk, come back, had another coffee, sitting in the kitchen, then Fiona would go up to her office, which is on the next floor. And for some reason, at that point in the day, Sky always went off with Fiona. And then later in the day, if I went up to my office, she comes up with me. And she just sort of plumps herself on these different sofas. And, and yeah, she just sort of, I don't know, she's definitely got a, a feel for our moods. Yeah. She's, and she's a very, um, even though she's cra- she is crazy when we go out walking, but, you know, around the house, she's just like, she's like this all the time. So how important is the daily dog walk? Because for me, it's all about, it has, not, not at first, at first it was because I wanted a dog and I didn't realise actually what, how profound that could be in mm. terms of getting out into nature and experiencing the seasons and looking at trees and flowers and the river moving mm. and ducks a duck landing you know as it comes into land on on the thames you know has that been a big benefit for you when your mood is perhaps low um i see you see i think with 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 molly the previous dog um it was very much that fiona went walking twice a day religiously and she still does with sky but often now i'll go with her Mm. so but I, I think that, I mean, I've definitely had moments where I've maybe been feeling really low. And when I see Sky just sort of, you know, when she goes off on one of her, she smells something, she sees something and she goes and the little tail's going. And then she just looks, and that happiness definitely sort of plays back to us both. Yeah, it's and, great, isn't uh, it? When I, when Spot runs flat out, either away from me because he's seen something, he wants a squirrel or whatever, and then he come, I call him to come back and he fixes on me and just comes straight at me at, at full pelt yeah. with his little ears flapping. Yeah. yeah, your heart just melts when you no, see they, that, they, doesn't they, it? They, they've, they, they've, they've, so yeah, no, she, she's definitely been really good for my, for my moods. And, and, I, and I think also for the family, you know, that she's... Because funny enough, when, when we first... You know, partly because it was, you know, we've got two boys and a girl and it was Grace that was fighting like yeah. hell for this dog. The boys weren't that interested. I've read about Grace and I've looked at her Instagram and she seems a force of nature she at the is best of times. She is definitely a force <laughs> of nature. But she, so she got the dog and I think at the start the boys were a bit kind of, uh, you know, but they've, they've all, they, all the family have come to her. And actually when, when um, Molly died, it was like we were all through there and it was a very... You know, it really, really felt like a member of the family was dying. It was horrible. And, and uh, uh, you know, and I've got no doubt it will be the same when she goes, but hopefully a long time off. Do people talk to you? I mean, we've mentioned it briefly, but do you get that sense of community through the dog when you're out walking? Yeah, you do. And, 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 and I mean, I guess we, go, we get up very early. We go walking very early. So most of the people on the heath are either runners um, or they're also out walking dogs. The time's really early. Uh, six will be up and out. Yeah, that's pretty good. Not much after that. So, and it, you know, you'd be amazed how many people are out by then. 
Um, I'm sure I'm not in. A, I am not a morning person. So no, no. We, we, six o'clock in the morning feels like the middle of the night to no, me. I'm like, oh, uh, shut the curtains. I want to go back. And to then bed. Fiona goes out again in the afternoon. Sometimes I'll go out with her. And but yeah, it's it's uh, everybody knows each other. And and this is actually a pretty. We're very lucky in this street as well. There's um, they've got a dog next door. They've got a dog opposite. Actually, there aren't that many dogs. But up on the heath in the morning, you'll see hell of a lot of dogs. I, c- I can imagine. I, I've, I've not, it's not somewhere I, I know very well, but what sort of dog walk is it on, on Hampstead Heath? Oh, Hampstead Heath is amazing. Yeah. You've got every... You've got... I mean, it's big for a start. I don't know what the, the, the exact uh, measurements are, but it's big. A lot of hills. So you, and, and you've, got, you've got very, very, very wooded bits and you've got quite open bits as well. Plus you've got water. Yeah. So, you know... No, you can't... You, you, you could... You could walk for years on Hampstead Heath without doing the same. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's really. It is a. It is absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm lucky where it. I am. You've got no deer there, presumably. No, but you've got. <laughs> no, you've got no deer, but because um, I've got two royal parks near me, yeah. and I have to. Well, he's a terrier, so I have to watch him like a hawk if he's off I'll the lead what, in a royal I'll park. You, I'll tell you though what Sky loved during the lockdown was because we we swim at the Lido on ah. the Heath, and um, because it was closed. We ended up having to go to the Serpentine and Sky absolutely loved going for a walk from, we'd park the car on the Bayswater Road, walk down through the park. She, I don't know what it was about it, whether it was new or whatever, but she loved that park. And then we'd go to swim one at a time, one of us looking after the dog while the other one swam. And she just, she, normally as I say, she would run away, but there for some reason she would just sit and she could watch us swim without running into the water and you just sort of stay with the other one while the other one swam. It was, it was kind of, so this, they definitely have a sense of place. I want to try open water swimming actually. I haven't, I haven't oh, done it. Like you recommend brilliant. it. Definitely. Definitely. You do wetsuit or no wetsuit with you? No wetsuit. Oh, see, I'm, I'm hopeless getting in a bath. Never mind. I used, getting I, into well, cold I used a wetsuit when I used to do triathlon because you have to. Yeah, of course. No, There's no choice in, then, is it? In you the winter, to... I wear gloves and feet, uh, which do help. So and you I, would not I, wear, you don't wear a wetsuit in the winter? Even. No. Oh. No, no, the lighter you do, the, you can get these sort of quite good thermal head uh, swimming caps. Oh, okay. Um, but no, it, the wind, the coldest I think this year was five. This was my first ever winter. Okay, I with went, open water swimming. Well, that was the Lido. And then we went, when the, when the, um, uh, the lockdown came and the Lido shut, we were going up to, we are doing either the Thames down in Dockland or up in um, a lake in Watford. Uh, but it's, it, I, I really recommend it. I really well, do. I, I don't know. Spot is a is sold on going into any body Aquatic of substance. water. Yes, yeah. quite. And I, I, there were a couple of times in the summer where he's just dived into the Thames and just refuses to come out. So I, oh, it's so immense. And, and then he no, just, we, well, uh, I have had, to get him on this. I have to now have him. Maybe he's anywhere near water. I have to have him on one of those extendable lead things. So I can let him in, but no, well, I can last, always then last, get him out uh, again. Last Christmas on our way up to... Um, Scottish Highlands we stopped at Windermere ah. and we stayed in this little hotel and we took the dog out for a walk and this she'd never done this before so it was like a big kind of shock she just suddenly took off and chased two ducks sailing uh, swimming on, on, on the bobbing on the, the Wind, <laughs> Windermere and Windermere is big and the ducks knew what they were doing as they sort of teased her along <laughs> And I mean, I tend not to panic in these circumstances, but Fiona was really, really panicking, and I was, I was about to dive in. It was, and it was freezing. 
I can imagine. It was freezing. When, for some reason, she just got bored, got tired and came back. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah, no, this one, once he gets, he gets, he generally gets a stick at the edge of the water and he just pours at it like it's some crocodile he has to kind of <laughs> repel. And then he barks at it. And I have to keep apologising to people who were walking past going, I'm really, they go, is he all right? I'm like, no, yeah, this is his idea of fun. I'm really sorry. Well, we really were, sorry. You wanted, you came out for a quiet, bit of tran- peace and tranquility and you've got this, this barking there the, there terrier. Was a, there was a couple there from, from, I'm assuming they were from Liverpool because he was wearing an Everton uh, training top and they both, I could, they both recognised me, and I could see they were as I was sort of t- toying with the idea of stripping off and diving <laughs> in. And I think they will get their phone ready. I was to about see to whether, say they were just going to wait there and see if you were to happen. <laughs> they could have You'll never guess who we saw diving yeah, into the we river. You never guess whose death we just filmed. <laughs> oh, Alice, you've achieved so much in your life. It's almost hard to you know even begin to list your your achievements but you know how proud of you are you of the fact that you're helping to change the narrative around mental health and how well i'm trying to i don't i don't you know there's two things i don't really don't feel proud of it Um, why not because it's something that people just wouldn't talk about it's like a taboo before and you're you're helping people have the confidence to talk about it i'm happy about that I'd, I'd say I'm happy about that rather than... I would never have come on something, even even though I've got a microphone here and it's kind of yeah. my podcast, I wouldn't want to mention that because there's some sense of a weakness in you if you have yeah. depression and that people might view but you I think where I'm, Yeah, but th- I think where I've always been lucky is that partly because of the circumstances of when I first kind of had to confront it, which is when I was had a breakdown and ended up in hospital. And I never felt... You see, I I didn't I never felt that stigma, and I was very lucky. First, Fiona stood by me. Secondly, my old boss took me back into my job, and actually, although newspapers can be a very very tough environment, at the Mirror, people were really really good. They knew I'd been through something pretty bad. They didn't quite know what, and I just thought, well, I'll tell them. And so I've never felt that need to hide it. I've I guess I'm. I'll tell you what I'm proud of. I'm proud of the fact that I've had the life that I've had and the career, the different careers that I've had, whilst often having this kind of black dog to deal with. Um, I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand because I always found in the job that I do, you know, you're almost performing whether you're on TV or on radio. And well, I you, think that's you, may hard. Have, you may have had a day where you feel terrible and you have had to struggle to get out and put the face on and mm. smile. And actually, you have to kind of go into this performance mode and forget and, how you're feeling. And, and that sometimes hasn't been easy to be able to just put a mask on, I think. is. Do you know, what, I, think that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I've never, ever gone into telly full time. Um, because I could have done it at various points in my life. And I, and I just sort of, I think, for a lot, I think it is a performance for a lot of people. And interesting enough, during lockdown, I did lots of interviews with different people about how they were coping. And I did one with Jeff Stelling. Sky Sports, yeah. Mr. Positive, Mr. Motivator. And of all the people I talked to, I'd say he was the one that seemed to me to be struggling the most. And it was, and I know Jeff quite well, but actually what it said to me was, I really only know you through that persona. Yeah. Because him talking to me the way that he did, it was obviously, was, he was struggling. And, I, and interestingly, most of the people I talked to reacted in very different to how I, how I thought they would. And there's a very funny, if you dig it out, it's, it's uh, my son was, um, Rory, our eldest boy, was, God knows why, but during the lockdown, one of the things he did with his time 
he watched all the coverage of all the elections. You know, the BBC Parliament Channel put all oh, those election okay. coverage on. And there's one in the 97 election when we've had the exit poll. We know we're going to win. We know it's going to be bigger than we thought it was going to be. I did an interview up at Sedgefield with John Simpson. And I can remember it. Rory mentioned it. And I can, I can remember it because I was getting text messages galore from people saying, for God's sake, what's wrong with you? Because I was just, I was miserable. I wasn't enjoying it and I couldn't hide it. Yeah. So John Simpson was sort of saying, well, it's an amazing victory and da da da, da. And I said, well, let's just see, shall we? And this you is know. Blair's first term, presumably. Very first, yeah. yeah. And, and what had happened was he was... New he, Labour and all that, things yeah. are only going to get better. Well, which they that. did. Yes. <laughs> but, he, he, you know, he, he, I just couldn't, I couldn't get in the mood for it. And, and, um, and likewise, when we got to Festival Hall that night, I just felt, I felt low. And, um, and it's funny, you know, you, you, you maybe understand this because if you're interested in sport, the only time that I've ever felt able truly to let myself go with lots and lots of other people is at football. Um, what I felt at that time was that everybody's meant to be feeling that this is fantastic. And I didn't feel it. And I've, I always resent that because, I mean, I sh- that should have been like one of my, the greatest days of my life. And it, and it wasn't. Yeah, you helped mastermind this. I was, I was, I was this. miserable. I was miserable. Come on, Danny big moment in in yeah. british politics yeah, yeah and you couldn't mask it now you've got many talents and one of them actually i was gonna say hidden it's not a hidden talent at all but you play the bagpipes it's a it's very loud and that, which leads me to my my next question because oh you get off his lap yeah, what was it like the first time sky heard you play the bagpipes sky loves the bagpipes does she honestly yeah yeah, she oh, oh, see? Oh. What is it? What is it? Oh. She, no, I... Um, because Spot hates noise. Right. The hoover, the hose. No, if I go and put the chilled. ironing board up, he disappears from the kitchen. He's... he's boy, probably he could. He'd put his fingers in his I'm ears most of the time. I was the first time. I mean, when we go up to Scotland, um, we, we, we stay in this place and I... <laughs> I do this thing. You know, the Queen Mother used to be woken every morning by the side of the bagpipes. Well, I wake every up with my bagpipes. Do you really? I do, yeah. And uh, when I'm up, everybody's got to get up. And so hang on, where is, set the scene, where is this place that you're staying? It's up in the, it's in, it's up in the Highlands. Is it's, this like a family home or is no, this no, a no, hotel? No, no, place we rent. Oh, a place we rent. rent. Okay, so the whole family's trying to get some sleep. They or might be, the, but, but they... Dad's up with the bagpipes. <laughs> and what, happen, what would happen is that, because Fiona and I are pretty early risers, as I say, so I think that would be the first time that Sky got used to it. And she, no, she, she, she never, never yelped. <laughs> and I can play. I, I, I usually practice up in the bathroom up there. And she'll come, sometimes come down and she'll, she'll happily lie on the floor and just listen. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah so no, I can't imagine that. what would happen if you got the bagpipes out and Spot heard that. I think his face would be, he, he would, he Who's would that? be kind Who's of, that? what your neighbours, you, can your neighbours hear you when you're they're in the bathroom? Like, yeah, they love it. Oh, do they? There's a lot of complaining. Honestly, they, they, you can ask them, if I've not played for a few days, they will ring the bell and say, well, haven't you played the part? I promise you. I promise you. Because <laughs> it was that marvellous moment during lockdown yeah. where you serenaded your neighbour, yeah, well, same neighbour. Same neighbour, yeah. yeah. She's a nurse, so it was obviously... Nurse doing her bit for yeah. the NHS we and you went to street. meet her off the train I think did yeah. you and you yeah. serenaded her up the street on up. a Thursday night yeah. yeah so it wasn't sort of an NHS clap for carers it was a pipe well, for carers well he was doing that he was doing yeah. that and then it, then it, then I just it became a thing that I played the pipes every week and 
Yeah, and then people started bringing out the people bringing out their trumpet and their violin. A guy over the road had a vuvuzela. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's, uh, the most annoying thing ever heard at a football match. To be fair, the vuvuzela. <sighs> the South African World Cup. It was, it too, was, it was awful. Too much. It was watching it on TV, and you just felt like there's this herd of bees. Just mind you, at the moment, at the Swarm moment, at the moment, I'd take it over the empty stadiums. Yeah, that, that's really that, that's a really good point you made. Yeah, and 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 skies on your lap, yeah. where I think you know. She rightfully loves to be. She's spotted a threat. Yeah, Spot had made a move for your lap. She <laughs> she, she she warded him off. Um, you know, can you can you finally just put into words what she means to you? She's like a she's she's a she's a yeah she's like a, she is a companion, but she's more than that. She's like sort of she's she's just part of us, you know. And particularly Fiona and I, like we having had this several months in lockdown. I am slightly worried about what's going to happen when we get back to some sort of normal. Fiona and I actually went away last night for the first time. I can't even remember the last time we weren't with her overnight because, you know, on, when we're in holiday, she was with us. When we're during lockdown here, she was with us 24 hours a day. She sleeps up with us. Um, oh, well, that's an, interesting, that's an interesting one because lots of the people we've been chatting to, it's quite it's quite divided actually as to who's allowed some people dogs are allowed upstairs others dogs very much downstairs when, when this so. started with molly when molly was first came along i was adamant the dog is never coming in the bedroom oh, right you caved i caved and then and, and with with i didn't cave because i wanted to cave. I cave because fiona caved and i gave in and with uh with sky it's never even been never even been questioned so, you know, we've been with her 24 hours a day. And finally, yes, so yesterday was our first night away because we were up doing the BBC in Breakfast Telly pre-recording. So we went up and um, Grace was looking after Sky and endlessly sending pictures, telling us how happy she was to be without us. <laughs> and, uh, and do you know what, though? When we came back, if, I'm, if I'd been out, for, say, like I go out for an hour and come back, Sky's all over me, she knew that yesterday I went away for longer. And she punished me for about half an hour. They do that, don't they, half the little an hour, monkeys? She just gave me a little look that said, I know what you've been doing. You went away. Uh, but what's she going to do when I go back to doing, going to Australia if we ever were able to do that again? Or, you know. It's going to be tough. Yeah. But I, I, I do get, we get a lot of um, pleasure out of her happiness. And she's a spoiled dog. I mean, she's absolutely, she has a great life. It's a great pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. you. Good, luck, it. good luck with the book and yeah. thank you for yeah. meet, letting us meet Skye. <laughs> look at her. She knows, she, look, she's a tart. She knows that there's a camera there. <laughs> Is that, 